All right, page 107 in your books. Uh, we begin with the first question, question number one. What's the most generous act you have witnessed? What is the most generous act you've witnessed? Anybody? And this is in, in regard to giving money generously. That's the that's theme of the topic for today. Give, give money generously. What is the most generous act you've witnessed, you've ever witnessed? I heard of somebody that was Okay, you heard about it. <laughs> Never witnessed it. So nobody has witnessed a generous act of someone giving to someone else. Well, they have very good houses to go to the house. It's kind of a key. Okay. But well, you heard about that. You've got witnesses. Well, I saw a TV. Okay, you saw the TV. So I guess that characterizes witnessing. Okay. Now, as um, Deandia mentioned, um, the giving doesn't always have to be financial. It could be other things. It could be investments. Uh, it can be, you know, uh, things that people need, uh, tangible things that people need. So it doesn't necessarily have to include money. Okay, let's go over to page 108. Uh, we can have someone read Bible Meets Life. <laughs> you heard of this story. A little boy had two dollars. One was for the offering at church and the other was for buying candy after church. As he approached the church building, the boy dropped one of the dollar bills and watched helpless as it wafted waft straight down into a storm drain. The boy looked up to heaven and said, Lord, there goes your dollar. <laughs> you may laugh at this story. Unfortunately, many Christians stole out they're giving with much of the same attitude. They are, they're often guilty of taking our fair share before we even think of giving back to the Lord or to others. By nature, we are takers, not givers. That's because our sin nature lends towards greed, not generosity. Thankfully, we don't have to remain in our natural state. The Holy Spirit can transform us from the inside out opening our hearts and our wallets to be channels of God's grace to the world around us. Okay, now I'm sure many of us have heard different versions of that story, right? Okay, but the point is very clear. So what's the point of the lesson for the day? Use what you have to invest in the lives of others. Okay, use what you have to invest in the lives of others. Now there are some people who wish they could have so that they could invest. Now the lesson is to use what you have, not, wish, not what you wish you had, okay? Uh, use what you have to invest in the lives of others. Okay, let's see what the Bible has to say. Proverbs 11, 23, is Brendan here today to read, so we need another voice to read. No, sorry, that's right. Our readers, our readers are not here today, okay. Okay, let's have someone read verses 23 to 26 on page 109, please. The desire of the righteous turns out well, but the hope of the wicked leads to wrath. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. People will curse anyone who hoards grain but the blessing will come to the one who sells it. Okay, now we have a definition there for clarity of grain. 
In an agrarian society, hoarding wealth involved food and other tangible possessions rather than cash or currency. So that's just a brief definition there on what greed, grain, uh, it means in, in terms of the text. Now when we look at verse 23, at first glance, Proverbs 11.23 doesn't refer directly to financial matters as do verses 24 to 26. However, verse 23 contrasts the righteous character of people and this outcome with the wicked character of other people and that outcome. Finances are neither good nor bad, even though some people characterize them as such. They are neutral. They're neither good or bad. Money, possessions, and all we have are gifts from where? They're gifts from God, all of it. We are to be good stewards or managers of all that God graciously gives us, including our finances. Therefore, how people deal with their finances in terms of their motives, their plans, and their actions is either good or bad. It's not the money is good or bad, it's the intentions and the motives of the people who possess the money that can either be good or bad. Amen? Okay, when we look at verse 24, in verses 24 to 26, the general topic is, is generosity versus selfishness. Willing to give or not willing to give. Or selfishness is called hoarding too, right? Yeah. This is expressed positively in this section, focus on being generous in what we have. Verse 24 continues the comparisons we saw in verse 23. One person gives freely, yet gains more. There she is. This is reflected in, in Jesus' statement. Give, and it will be given to you. That's Luke 6 and 38, right? Give, and it will be given to you. Now notice the second half of verse 24 contrasts with the first half. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. The point of verse 24 is that generosity produces a reward. Likewise, stinginess or hoarding or selfishness produces punishment. Do you think people understand that? No. no. But they do experience it, right? Yes. And after they experience it, sometimes when they experience it, they get the message, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes they still don't get it. Did Solomon intend for these verses to apply to our money? Yeah. Absolutely, certainly. But does it also apply to our possessions? Yes. Yes, it does. It also applies to our time, right? It applies to our talents, to our giftedness as well. But it also applies to our work, our secular work. We'll be doing the job every day. And also, it applies to our service at church. Whatever engagement we, we, we get ourselves in in terms of ministry at church. So it involves all of those things. Okay. 
Let's look at the paragraphs on page 110. Uh, since Staria said she could read that. <laughs> Proverbs 11, 23-26. In this passage, Solomon highlighted one of Scripture's great paradoxical truths. Those who give will have all they need, but those who hold on to what they have will lose it. This mindset is the exact opposite of our practical, logical way of thinking. Even so, Jesus agreed with Solomon, give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Luke 6, 38. Jesus reminded his followers and us that their standard of giving would dictate what they receive in return. If we give freely and generously, then our Father will measure back us freely and generously. But if we close our hands to the poor and hold tightly to what we have, we'll often find ourselves in need. The Apostle Paul reiterated this truth in his letter to the Corinthians. The person who sows sparingly would also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously would also reap generously, 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. The principle behind each of these passages is generosity, a readiness to give. When we recognize all God has given on our behalf, see John 3 and 16, it should compel us to give freely and generously to others. <coughs> let, me give, let me give three more reasons we should be generous. One, all we have belongs to God. See Deuteronomy 10, 14, 1 Timothy 6 and 7. Recognizing the true ownership of all we have enable us to hold finances, <coughs> possessions, and talents loosely because ultimately none of it belongs to us. Two, all we have is a gift of grace from God. See 2 Corinthians 9, 8, 11, James 1, 17. Not only is God the owner of all, but he is also the giver of all. All that we have received is a gift of his grace. Therefore, we don't need anyone or anything else to meet our needs. It is more than enough. He is more than enough. Three, that's on page 112. Giving is an act of worship. See Matthew 6 and 21, Luke 21, verse 1 to 4. If we're not givers, we're not worshipers. It doesn't matter how loud we sing or how often we raise our hands. True worshipers are generous givers. Let me repeat that. True worshipers are generous givers. Amen. Our giving is an outward expression of our inward praise, obedience to the word, and recognition of our full dependence upon God. Okay. So we have a bullet list there. Uh, some things are three reasons why Jesus' disciples, which is all who we all are, Jesus' disciples, should give generously. Let's look at some of those verses that, uh, can't look at all of them, but turn someone turn to Deuteronomy 10, 14 and Behold, read that. the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, thy God, the earth also with all that there, there it is. Okay, so from that verse and the other verses, we see that 
all we have belongs to God. To God. None of it is ours. It's amazing how we grab it and hold on to it as if it's ours, right? Mm-hmm. All belongs to God. Okay, uh, James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable, to whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So every gift that we have is a, gener- is, a, is a manifestation of God's graciousness toward us in allowing us to have it. Right? Yes, sir. And then uh, Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, so again, uh, giving is an act of worship. And whatever our hearts are occupied with, that's what we uh, embrace and hoard. Question number two on page 110. What moves you to be generous? What moves or motivates you or encourages you to be generous? Huh? Empathy. Empathy? Okay. If I see someone genuinely, I know for sure they're in need. You know what I mean? You know them personally, so you know it's not somebody just pretending. That would encourage me to be generous to them because I know it's a genuine case. Okay. It's a kind of, of, of motivation that moved the Lord Jesus to give or provide for the needs of others. Compassion. Yeah. Okay. What about knowing that it's all God's? Knowing that it's all God's and it's not yours to keep. Yeah, that's yes. a good point. Okay, knowing that it all it doesn't belong to me. Like the illustration I gave last time about the pastor was packing up his car to go on vacation, the fella came to him, and uh, he had a, some suspicion in his mind that the fella may not have been genuine. He said to the fella, now listen, I'm giving you this, but this ain't mine, this belongs to God. Okay, and the guy was kind of hesitant to take it because if it, it's God's stuff, we know that he couldn't be disingenuous, but, but you know, it's, it's a bill for it. All right? Can I give you an example? Anything that happened to me, I had a housekeeper that had the letter book and she didn't let her pay full street. So mm-hmm. I had to hire somebody out for three days. So this other one, my letter, she keep calling me and talking to me and saying, I, I dreamt about you. And you know, the Lord just tell me to keep her in here. I said, please, please. She called me this week. She said, you know, I don't, I need to put out, I don't help my rent. And I said, okay. I know I have someone already, but come two days. So you can get something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just pay every week so she can pay rent. And then she can just come and do something. And I said, what are you up to, right? So she need help. Mm-hmm. You know? So I have five days now. Okay, and that's I a good. You have to, and I, you know, I'm going mm-hmm. away. Okay, that's a good practical yeah, example. So, good. She said, the Lord said, call me. So. Well, here's another way to phrase that question. In what situations do you feel a desire to be generous? Now, Tianti just just gave an illustration of one that she had with the, with the maid. Did everybody hear that? Everybody heard what she said? Yeah. Okay, repeat that. <laughs> a little louder. <laughs> ah. Okay, I had a housekeeper. She was in straight with immigration, so I had to let her go. But she's supposed to keep in contact with me. And then I had I got somebody else, which was for three days. 
But this other person called me just this week. I'm going away, I already got my money and everything. So uh, she said, the Lord tell me to call you. I don't know, I'm gonna get my rent and then he's gonna kick me out. I said, what happened to your daughter? Oh, she left and I don't know, she just graduated, she moved out with someone else. I said, okay, I have someone you know that, and I'll get you for two days. So you can, you know, pay for some money to pay for your rent. So what I did, I said, you know what, to do. She needs her younger daughter. I said, just pay her for three weeks and just let her work. Until that time, we didn't start paying in the room. And she said, thank you, Lord, and all that. I just, okay. I was like, you know, you get two, I said, she needs help. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just get up for those two days, even just the I am, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good practical illustration to uh, situations that you feel a desire to be generous. Okay, you may not have that genuine need, but there's a desire to be generous, and so you actually, that's a good example, uh, Deantia. Okay, as we move to verses 27 to 29, we see Solomon continue to compare the righteous and unrighteous in regard to the way uh, we use the resources that uh, have been given to us. Now, um, we have that activity on page 111. Did anybody do that? Yes. Sorry, always does it. <laughs> okay. okay, let's look at it then. Okay, turn to page 111 in your books. And uh, being a good steward doesn't mean ignoring money. Rather, it's about re recognizing that what money can and cannot do. Use the space provided below to record some worthwhile things that money can and cannot buy. Make a list, draw a picture, create a chart, or so on and so on. Okay? One, what money can buy? Home, car, vanity. Home, car, car house, luxury vacation. Vanity, okay. Health. Health. Food, okay. Things, right? Yeah, tangible. Okay, what is it that money cannot buy? Salvation. Peace. Oh, <laughs> okay, uh, all right. What you say? Love, friendship. Love and friendship. Happiness. Happiness. Salvation. Peace. Peace. Salvation. Peace. What else? Freedom. Freedom, okay. All right, so we know what money can buy and what money cannot buy. Huh? Life. Okay. What are some things you hope to use money positively in your service to Christ. What are some ways you hope to use money positively in your service to Christ? Tithing. Tithing. Offering. Sowing in good soil. Sowing in good soil, okay. Anybody else? Giving to the poor. Giving to the poor or helping the needy. Like you did. And what? to share the gospel by being offering the Gospel like radio stations. You know, okay. Using it to spread the gospel. Okay. I didn't hear anybody mention missionaries. Okay. All right. Let's see what the Bible has to say again. Page, uh, page 109. If we can have someone read verses 27 to 29. The one who searches for what is good finds favor. But if someone looks for trouble, he will come to it will come to him. Anyone trusting in his riches will fail or fall, sorry, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. The one who brings ruin on his household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be a slave to someone whose heart is wise. Okay. 
Let's go to okay, verse 27. Okay, look at, look at it. Considering verse 27, mm-hmm. uh, when we trust in our riches, we are more likely to hoard what we have. Okay, when we put all of our trust and our confidence in, in what we have, we have a tendency to cling to it and not want to give it up. And we've heard that expression many times that when the rapture comes, many, some believers are going to go up feet first, right? Because they can be holding on to what they have, not wanting to give it up. All right? And, and, and that's, uh, you know, basically uh, an implication of verse 27 here. When we trust in God and seek to live in his righteousness, we recognize that all we have is from him. And we desire to use our riches to honor him. Okay, let's go over to uh, page 112. And let's read uh, those paragraphs on page 112. The great theologian Martin Luther once made a profound statement about stewardship. I have held many things in my hands and have lost them all. But whatever I place in God's hands, that I still possess. Luther was highlighting an important truth. Either we manage our finances and possessions, or they will manage us. Our assets can quickly become liabilities when they grab hold of our hearts, strangling our contentment and peace with God. When we place our trust in our material wealth, whether great or small, we're more likely to hoard what we have. But when we trust God and seek to live in his righteousness, we begin to recognize that all we have is from him. Just as importantly, we desire more and more to use our riches and possessions in ways that honor him. In Proverbs 11, Solomon warned about the danger of trusting in riches. The word trusting in verse 28 carries the idea of confidence and security without fear. However, We cannot find that sort of confidence by putting our trust in riches. Solomon said those who misplace their trust in that way will ultimately fail or fall. On the other hand, the God of the universe is completely trustworthy and reliable. The righteous trust him and acknowledge their total dependence on him. See Jeremiah 17, 78. As a result, Solomon said they will flourish like foliage, Proverbs 11.28. Figuratively, they will break forth, bud, and blossom. A common adage tells us to blossom where you plant it. Scripture teaches that blooming is the result, bloom where you plant it, sorry. Scripture teaches that blooming is the result of trusting in God. Okay, so we got two questions and uh, question number three on page 112 is why is it vital for Christians to be known as generous? To show God's love. Okay, to show God's love. Okay. And also to show that you're not worshipping your things as well. Because why you, you know what I mean, he might have provided you with a beautiful home or whatever, but you're not even con- concentrating on that. You're more concentrating on helping somebody. You're not like, to me, it's sort of, I, I pray every night that I'm not worshiping these things that he gives me because mm-hmm. 
I don't want to be like, you know, I want to be worshipping you. I don't want to be worshipping the things that you bless yeah, yeah. me with. The blessings to cause to, to be a distraction to me. Mm -hmm. So, like that, I don't know if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because you provide you with some beautiful things, but yeah. you need to make sure that they don't become gods. Yeah, they become your gods. Uh, it could be it could result in idol worship yes mm -hmm. okay so notice the expression uh, 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 Martin Luther uses he says I, I have held many things in my hands and I've lost them all yeah but whatever I have placed in God's hands that I still possess valuable lesson yes you know whatever we get we put it in God's hands mm -hmm. and you keep it Keep it in your hands, oh. nine chances out of ten is gone. Because you would lose everything overnight, all these material possessions you could just be wiped out. Yeah. So if you don't know your source, you could be where you just hit rock bottom and you just, you know. Uh -huh. You lost it all. Let's look at the second paragraph uh, there on page 112. Uh, Notice, Luther was highlighting an important truth. Either we manage our finances and possessions, or they will manage us. Okay, that's what Michelle was saying about the things that she has. And she needs to be careful on how she treats those things, otherwise they will begin to manage her. Our assets can quickly become liabilities when they grab hold of our hearts, strangling our, con our contentment and peace with God. When we place our trust in our material wealth, whether great or small, we are more likely to hoard what we have. But when we trust God and seek to live in His righteousness, we begin to recognize that all we have is from Him. Just as importantly, we desire more and more to use our riches and possessions in ways that honor Him. Okay? Important truth to grasp onto and to remember at all times. Question number four on page 112. How would you summarize the warnings in these verses? Okay, how would you summarize, put in a nutshell, the warnings in these verses? Put your trust in God, not in things. Okay, put your trust in God and not in things. Good one. The things of this world will grow strangely dim. <laughs> light of his glory and grace. What hymn that? What, what hymn is that? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the words of him. Yeah. Ah. Don't be a hoarder, be a giver. Don't be a hoarder, be a giver. Okay. Because like Jesus. Huh? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I was like, wow, Lord, I, I don't need these too many shirts. I don't need, you know what I mean? So I think that we need, as Christians, we need to probably try to give away to things to people. You have all these material things, but you don't need these 20 shirts and this. You needed them at the time, though. 30 pairs of pants. <laughs> I don't know. At time is yeah. They say, what, what you don't wear in two years, give it away. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, like most parables that draw their truth from common everyday examples, this is more of a general principle than a specific promise 
true in every situation. Will God help us to find good when we make the effort to search for it? Absolutely. Will every person who looks for good find it every time in every situation? Probably not, right? Yet, when we search for evil, we are much more likely to find it. Isn't that so? Or how it find us, right? So the question becomes, what do I want to spend my time searching for? Good or evil? And what do I want to find? Good or evil? If we want to find good, then we need to spend our time searching for it, right? Yeah. Sounds logical, right? Both lines in Proverbs 28 continues to express cause and result. However, the second part of the verse stands in contrast with the first. Verse 28a reads, anyone trusting in his riches will fall. Instead of will fall, some Hebrew scholars suggest the text should read, will wither. A phrase which correlates with the foliage mentioned in the next part of the verse. Since obviously we shouldn't trust in riches, in what or whom should we trust? God points us to the answer in the second part of verse 28. Verse 28b reads, For the righteous will flourish like foliage. Once again, he refers to Jesus' words. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. That's what? Matthew what? Six. And with verse? 33, right? The answer to the previous question is, rather than trusting in riches, we should trust in God as we seek him and his righteousness, living lives of obedience to God that reflect his character in his ways. And that's important. John Bunyan. There's a statement there by John Bunyan. You see that? Which page is that? Okay, that's on page... 113. 113. Okay. Mm -hmm. He who bestows his goods upon the poor shall have as much again and ten times more. Okay. He who bestows his goods upon the poor shall have as much again and ten times more. And I think Bunyan was probably thinking about that verse, that proverb that talks about he who lends to the poor, who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and his rewards are overwhelming. Okay? Uh, remember we did that when we went through the book of Proverbs. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs on page 113. Why are believers often willing to trust God with their marriages, 
families, careers, paths, and ultimately their eternal salvation. Yet they balk when it comes to trusting God with their finances. <laughs> I believe it's because we have walked, bought into the lie of the enemy that money is that money is the path to abundant living. The Bible teaches the opposite. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. We are 16, when we are living according to God's word, we find the path of fair growth and abundant life. With all of his purchasing power, money cannot secure the deepest needs of the heart. Only Jesus satisfies fully and faithfully. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Matthew 6.33 Rather than striving to accumulate wealth or wicked earnestly for temporary things, the focus of any believer shall be on that which is eternal. We want to be generously invested in the lives of others, mm. even to the point of sacrificially giving what it feels like. Okay. Now notice uh, um, the second paragraph. Here's a question that needs answering. Why are believers often willing to trust God with their marriages, families, career paths, and ultimately their eternal salvation, yet they balk when it comes to trusting God with their finances? I believe it's because we've been we've bought into the lie of of the enemy that money is the path to abundant living. True. The Bible teaches the opposite. Yeah. You reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant of joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Psalm 16, 16, 11. When we live according to God's word, we find the path of favor, growth, and abundant life. Okay. Keep that thought in mind. Question number five, page 113. What do we stand to gain when we submit to the Bible's teaching about money? We find a path of favor, growth, and abundant life. Okay, it's right there in the passage. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so what's the point? Use what you the have to invest in the lives of others. Okay, again, a reminder of the point of the whole lesson. Use what you have, not what you hope to have, like the people who go to the web shop, okay? They hope to get a windfall so they get help, okay? The, the, the point is use what you have to invest in the lives of others. Okay, let's see then how we can live out these principles when we go forward during the course of the week. Go to page 114. Consider the following suggestions in investing in the lives of others uh, throughout the coming week. This is the practical part of the lesson today. This is what you do as a result of the lesson today when you go into the next week. Okay, first of all, number one, keep focused. Write Proverbs 11.24 on a card or a sturdy piece of paper, then place it in your purse or wallet. Somewhere you're likely to encounter it as you make spending decisions. Allow God's word to shape 
how you respond to the needs of others. Okay? So the first point is keep focus. There's an exercise we are given to keep focus. Number two, give back. Be generous in a tangible way this week by helping someone in need who cannot pay you back. Now, I know when we run into people on the streets a lot of times, they say, could you lend my dollar? Could you lend my this? Could you lend Now, you know they're not going to pay you back, right? Okay, it's talking about those kind of people. All right? Give tangible way. I'm sorry. This is a Brenda is a good one. Okay? So give to those who cannot pay you back. Leave an oversized tip. Take a homeless person for a meal. Donate some, something you still use, and so on. Okay, so we get the message from those examples, right? The point, whole point is give back. So the first one is keep focus. The second one is give back. The third one is give together. Work with the members of your group to pool your resources together or do something big for a family with a need in your church or community. All right? And in a way, we're doing that with the thing on the board, right? Yes. We are pooling our sources. You know, we, 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 we suggested that we collect some money so that if a person goes in the hospital, they won't have to go on the on the on the on the what the public, public ward we can have some money to be able to assist them by putting them on the private ward and because you have responded as of the 4th of wow. September we've accumulated $2257.55 that's with that <laughs> that's without that <laughs> okay so that money is what you and we we we, we commend you for being so generous and continuously giving, yes. and uh, we encourage you to do so, so that if there's ever a need we have in that particular charity for which this was established, right. then we will be able to use it for that purpose. Okay? So, keep focus, give back, give together. Conclusion. We've all been like the little boy at times. Oh, yeah. Lord, <laughs> I want something for myself more than I want to give back to you. That's childish, that's a childish way of thinking, but there's good news. The more we intentionally invest our resources in the lives of others, the more we grow into mature disciples of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.